0: Jordan, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: I'm good, man. I'll oh, thank you for asking me on.
0: Not a problem, mate. So, yeah, we uh, we knew each other when we were when we were younger. And then, obviously, we've kind of connected again through looking at each other's stuff on social media and me doing Ironman, you doing your running and stuff. But we did first meet what when about, I was about probably 16. 16. I was probably...
1: I was probably early twenties at that point.
0: What age are you now? you do Don't mind me asking? Aye, so yeah, you're probably about twenty. And I was about sixteen and we were in the the local band scene. I was thinking about that. So you were sixteen and I'm jumping
1: about the uh, twenty. Yeah. Ah, it's
0: not that much older, I suppose, man. Um, we were all we were at the same immaturity levels at that <laughs> point anyway, massively. weren't we? But it was good times back then, wasn't it? Great um, times, great times, man. We're like, just I'm
1: actually privileged that we're on that scene because, yeah. like, the bands were awesome, you know, and, like, we were just I've about zero musical talent. <laughs> I just used to write some words down and go on stage yeah. and try and be as crazy as possible. Yeah, man. A uh, bit, like, lost for words, you know, DB68, yeah. eight-page eight pull-out, <laughs> yeah. you know, guys that... I used to buy their CDs and listen to them. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, and I... So I felt privileged, but also made, also made friends. Of course, know, man. And I got to be in a band with my brother. You know, and our drummer Scott was massively talented. Yeah. Like, uh, so it was just good. You know, and we used to we used to play together. Remember the nights we used to. Play it was together, the best, and, man.
0: Yeah. I actually get quite, you know depressed about all looking back of like how much fun it was yeah. and how we're not that young anymore and how we don't we can't do that yeah. shit anymore but obviously as we'll talk about later on the podcast there's yeah. a reason why we can't do that shit anymore but awesome. it was good times man and as you say we met a lot of uh, awesome people and we're still you know a lot of us are still friends to this day and stuff which yeah. is which is
1: really cool so i was thinking about the last time i seen lost for words So i'm not sure if you would changed your name yet maybe was it, was it the Soundhouse? Yeah, we played there. Ah, it was dirty, man. Aye. <laughs> it like was just like that <laughs> feeling of, like, that's where I want to be, man. Aye, aye. I don't even think there was a roof on that place, man. I think it was, no, just, no, like I I think it was just like a... It reminded me of Camden, Camden Barfly. It yeah, yeah. It seemed brand new in there. And it's yeah. this tiny wee place. Yeah, stinking. yeah. stinking. And you're just like, this is where I should be. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there was another time we were playing Barfly. It was just, like, yeah. all day all like, yep, the mental one. Yeah, yeah man. Yep. And you's, you's were you were headlining and never even got Never
0: on. got to play, man. Yeah. Uh yeah. I think, like, looking back, like, For The Red, obviously a big Glasgow band who got really big. Like, yeah. we were on after them at <laughs> that stage, yeah. man. But, yeah, we never got to play because everybody just got so fucked up <laughs> the place got shut down, <laughs> man. <place> <laughs> tra- I don't even <laughs> think it <re-owned>. uh, <laughs> That's probably why the whole barfly got shut down, to be but honest, we, man.
1: Like, we turned up, like, ten minutes before we were meant to go on. We actually sound-checked on the stage and then we played then it got shut down. I was always there. Were you the last band
0: that played then? <laughs> yeah. Oh god, man. I think that started at like twelve in the afternoon, man. And like I turned up. I was out the night before. I turned up. Like That's half usual half drunk, you know, and then as soon as I got there, everybody was just on it. So I just got more on it. There was folk doing jobbies in the band room and stuff, man, and fishing everywhere. Oh, dude, that was regular <laughs> people spewing and no wonder. I don't blame the guys for shutting it down, but Aye, I was gutted and I have got to play 13, that. 13, 14, it aye. was, mental. <laughs> it was mental, proper mental. It was mental, but what a scene, man, and uh, aye, a lot of good times, but at the same time, um, especially for me, like it was kind of the time when I started like drinking dead heavily, and like it was almost, uh, it was great fun and all the rest of it, but also maybe wasn't the best for my, my health of in course. terms of trying to be in a band, and... The issues that I ended up having with alcohol and stuff but was that was it a lot younger when you started kind of you yeah, know, drinking I mean, and stuff
1: I think I was probably already there like that way couldn't I go on the stage like sober like yeah. that's that's honest and I was drinking pints and chasers you know should he be chasing Jack Daniels at that age yeah. I don't know like uh, my, my mum and dad were already worried about me you know my brother was starting to like I remember this time at the cat house man and I practically attacked my brother on stage and I was just ended up in the flare and he threw oh his guitar out no. and tapped me. Uh, and I thought that was cool. I thought Aye. it was punk, you know. Yeah, we yeah, were not yeah. even playing punk, you know? well. We're emo. trying to be punk <laughs> punk, emo. Like that that whole scene, man, I had to look back in that and what memories do I have of that, but like you're saying, I'm magnetised to the good times, yeah. The of course. the time, it wasn't yeah. that great. I was cool. married oh. when I was in a band, you Were know, you? married very young, yeah. uh, and th- that's craziness. You that know, we, we owned a house, and, and I'm on this downward spiral by yeah, that yeah, point. Yeah, of uh, course. I believe when I was married, the downward spiral had started, yeah. And alcohol, first and foremost, for me, I was quite a late starter with drugs, but when drugs came into my life, it was.
0: when like did you start drinking? 14. 14. It was pretty young. I mean, I suppose it's not not young for you know.
1: But when I say drinking, right, I mean getting up to my pals on a Friday night and watching like Raw, <laughs> WWE Raw, drinking fourth morning the face. So it was quite a slow start for yeah, me, you yeah. know. And I like I sit in rooms like uh, like three to five nights a week and hear people who were drinking since nine and ten years old, and, and they were drinking like hardcore because yeah. they've been through all this trauma. And I grew up in a very loving family. I wanted for nothing you know, and uh, so I didn't feel as if I had to, like, I just wasn't attracted to it. I actually had a fear of alcohol for a wee bit, not a fear, but I didn't like being around people that were drunk, you know, my grandfather was alcoholic, uh, I don't even think I knew he was alcoholic, but maybe when I would go up sometimes, he's sitting drinking, he's maybe a wee bit over the line, and yeah. I'm like, I had a lot of, like, awkwardness around that, and then it comes to school. You want to, like, you're starting to get interested in girls. You yeah. know, all that stuff. And then you take one drink and boom. Like, all of a sudden, you're Superman. You can talk better. You look better in the mirror. Yeah. and You know, and th- that's, that's a common story, especially in Glasgow. Definitely.
0: So, like, at this stage, what, 14 to 16, maybe you're already yeah. drinking quite regularly. Mm, weekend drinking. Aye. But did you no. feel at that point you had mental health issues or was it just, just boozing socially and having a laugh? When I reflect...
1: I can see mental health issues. Uh, I can groan, you know, like uh, I can. I don't know when they were born. I think I'll talk about you like a wee bit more about it later. But alcoholism to me is a disease that is. I think you're born with. Yeah. Uh, I just also recently got diagnosed with bipolar. That could have been in my life. Feel like a child. <laughs> yeah. I felt like a square peg in a round hole as a child. Like. And like I said, I wanted for nothing, but I always envied other people. Always, I was inept at forming relationships, and that went all the way through. And when I found alcohol, that f- it felt better. So alcohol enabled me to escape my current situation. Yep. Alcohol uh, made me feel like I'd never felt before. Yeah, of and course. That, that's the absolute truth, you know. And did I think it would take me to where I went? Absolutely no, no chance. No, definitely I not. I thought I could have four beers, which eventually become eight beers, which eventually buckle come into your life, you know? But I thought I could keep it to the weekend, and it never happened like that. Yeah. Like, midweek drinking come in very soon.
0: Yeah, I think it's quite a common thing where, you know, speaking from my experience, that you just keep telling yourself that, I'll calm it down eventually, or, you know, I'll uh, I'll drink a little bit less, and, I'll you know, I'll start behaving. But then it just goes gets worse, I think, but you kind of ignore it almost because you kind of, well, for me, I, for many years, I didn't want to stop. Yeah. But um, you, you kind of mentioned earlier about, about self-harm and stuff. So, yeah. you know, did that just come through? Were you depressed? Was it depression? or?
1: I look back on self-harm and realise it was in my life before you would even call it self-harm. You, you know. know, I think... Like, uh, punching walls, on walls, punching, like, punching myself, like, re- like hating myself. Uh, and what age was this at? Oh, really young, young? really young. young, young? Eight yeah. to ten. Right, okay. You know, and it was probably something, like, I'm saying that, and it's probably, like, my mum and dad probably don't even know about that, but I've done a lot of looking back. Of course. You know, with therapists and, and key workers and that stuff, and... And then in my teens, I started burning and cutting. Eh, cutting came first. Cutting made a mess. And then burning came into my life. And it felt as if, again, the same as alcohol, it helped me escape. You know, I was never was never a weed smoker. You know, it yeah. got me to, like, just, like, I wanted to be hyper at that age. I wanted to be the life and soul of the party. I yeah. wanted to create chaos, you know. Creating chaos, I called it anarchy. And it was just a me guy acting like a pure dick at bar, <laughs> You know I mean? That's the absolute truth. Uh eh, but self-harm, like, definitely, like, self-harm is always thought as cutting, and self-harm is always thought as a cry for attention, that was in my experience, self-harm was the same as alcohol for me, it helped me escape, you know, like, like I say, I cut to bleed, the sight of blood felt as if it was an outlet, you know, and when it, when I burned, the sight of the, the mess it would cause felt like an outlet, you know, I would say it's it seriously came in, it, 17, 18, it became like a real issue, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that was probably, six, 17, 18 was the first time uh, like medication for mental health yep. came into my life and I think I've been on every medication that ends with I-N-E since then, you know, like, uh, and it was, I mean, it's crazy, it was all to date, the relationship I was in, I've been codependent since I was a kid as well and that's something I've learned, so the need to... Con- Everybody thinks codependent. Well, a lot of people, the majority of people think codependents are... Or they need somebody, but it's actually they need to control somebody. It's actually they need to act like the vi- victim for somebody. Uh, and then you can also act like the persecutor, you know? You can attack them. Yep. But that triangle is codependency. Uh, and I believe, I went mean, into this relationship at uh, 18, and she was, she was going to university to study by a doctor, and I kind of had it made, and it looked... I mean, she was awesome. She was, you have probably seen her, you know, like, uh, you have probably seen her about the yeah. scene. Uh, and that relationship didn't end well. In fact, it ended about ten times during the whole period, you know. And I, I would always, I would always kind of go back, eh, uh, because it was easy. Yeah. You know, it was the easy, so, it was the easy, softer option, eh. Uh, so, by that time, codependency, self harms in my life, definitely alcohol abuse. Uh, I often speak about that. Like, I should have been in the fellowship when I was 18. Yeah. You know, Alcoholics Anonymous was there. Uh, but I was to be attracted to more and more chaos.
0: Yeah. We
1: were talking about it earlier,
0: and I was, I kind of feel the same as like when I was, I moved out into my own flat at 18, and I'd been drinking heavily before I moved out. So when I moved out and I had my own place, the drinking get worse than that. As I said, I knew eighteen nineteen that it, it was an it was a problem. Um but I just and I, I, I enjoyed it and I w I didn't want it to end. I didn't want to not drink, so I never obviously done anything about it. Is that the kind of similar age where you knew yourself it was a real problem? Like deep down you knew?
1: No. No? No not truthfully. I often say that actually yeah. but like not truthfully. I was still... I was so attracted to the chaos that I wanted it to continue,
0: yeah. you know? But did you know... Did you know it was a problem? Or were you just kind of
1: kidding yourself on it? it kidding myself on. Aye. That's the absolute truth. But kidding myself on and having suicidal thoughts. Yeah. So there's <laughs> something <laughs> all right there, you Yeah, know? of course. Uh, I'm taking a depressant every day. Yeah. Not an antidepressant, but obviously alcohol is a depressant. Yeah, of course. Like, uh, I'm smoking fucking 40 fags a day. Like... Back then, it, like when I look at that, it's absolutely... It's not a life for an 18-year-old. A guy who had a wee bit of talent for cooking, you know, had a great job in yeah. like a tourist restaurant where I could learn there. And I walked out of that job just to kind of be in the band, be in the scene. You get you fucked know. up. <laughs> it's embarrassing, do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I always consider it embarrassing, but it was just... Now I just see it as my illness, yeah, you know? Yeah, of course. Um. So...
0: When did it start to have, you know, negative effects on like your life and like other people around
1: you? And 24, 25, I believe there was like there was physicality, there was mental, there was mental bullying in the relationship I was in. The, the girl that I married, uh, I married her and I won. You know, and that sounds grim me saying that, but it's the absolute truth. I yeah. married her because. I didn't want to lose her. I didn't marry her because I loved her. Uh, probably de- I did love her in many yeah, ways. Yeah, of course. You know, but I knew it wasn't right. Uh, and I think she was like she grew up in an alcoholic home, and I truly believe that's probably why she put up with me for so long. But definitely twenty to twenty five. Uh, yeah, chaos ensued. You know, I'm bringing people back to the flat, we're doing all-nighters, like I'm drinking constantly, uppers come into my life, ecstasy, coke, you know, and I mean, it wasn't an issue at that time, well, it was an issue, obviously, because I know I've got addicted personality, but I wasn't recognising that at that moment, so I'm justifying taking the drugs, like, three to four times a week, that's not normal, you know, especially like when I'm trying to go in and work 12 hours. I was going to shifts.
0: say were you holding down a job at this point aye? Aye. Aye. was it working later and then going out after work Exactly. Was what, that it was. what was so and then you get along exactly. and you get to sleep in the morning
1: no 10 bells well <laughs> that was it oh were you bit. sleeping <laughs> <laughs> no at, at times I was not like maybe getting a few hours here and there you know I, remember I, ran, a, I ran a kitchen at that point so I could almost like I could go in a wee bit later I'd phone up the sous chef and Sort me out, you know. But the way I was living my life, I had a lot of resilience. Physically, I had a lot of resilience, and I think that prolonged the process. You know, my body was resilient. Uh, My wife at that point is she's questioning it, but I look back and I'm like, she's not questioning it as much as she should have. But that's not her fault. Yeah, of course. You know, uh, I'm I'm lying here. I'm I'm apologising. I'm trying to make everything better for one day and then I just go out and do the exact yeah. same thing again. That's yeah. a, that's insanity. Do you know what I mean? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different of results. Of course, man. That's what I that was. You know.
0: It's it's weird though, man, because like as we were talking about earlier, you kinda look back and you remember the fun yeah. parts of and you kinda miss it. I miss it a lot, man, you know. I, I still I still have friends who go out yeah. and drink and I'll try and spend time with them and uh, yeah, you know it's it's really hard sometimes to be around it and not really get fucking down. That I mm. can't get pushed, <laughs> or I can't have that a night of madness that they can have, and then just go on with their lives. You know, and then maybe maybe some some people that do that that I know do have deeper issues, but some people seem to just be able to do it and then get up and go on with their lives, go on with their relationships, go to work, and then do it again in a few weeks. But it never really affects them that bad, but. You need to remember all the times that you felt like you were fucking we uh, <laughs> everything up. You know. The <laughs> <of something. laughs> aye,
1: aye. We want to, like, I always dreamed about having. A lot of people always say, "Oh, I wanted to have four beers on a Saturday night and watch the highlights of the football." <laughs> that wasn't mine. I like going out on the Sunday yeah. in the afternoon, and I'm always uh, just four, three or four pints. We'll get home. We'll cook dinner. That never happened. Yeah, yeah. It never in my life happened. In. Again, it's like looking back and realising the problem was rife, you know, actually dangerously. Now, for me, alcohol is, like, I can admit I had a drug problem, I can go, I can't take drugs anymore. Now, I've been in rehabs, homeless units, you know, with people that aren't ah, right. Listen, you're an addict. I identify as, as an addict. Yeah, of course. You know, uh, but I know alcoholism is what I suffer from. That's the absolute bottom line because you can use drugs alcoholically. That's, that is just the way it is. I suffer from a di- disease that a book was written in the 1930s about and it describes <laughs> my, di- my, my experience perfectly, you know, and that can happen with drugs. It can happen with gambling. It can happen with sex. Yep. It can ha- and obviously alcohol is the main one. So I used to always justify that mm-hmm. alcohol legal. Yeah, you know that's a massive one. Like, and you see all these beer gardens full. You're walking by, and I still get that. I still get that wee urge. Of course. You know, you like, oh, that looks amazing. And, but I very rarely, like I've only probably just started. Uh, me, and my machines go got a gig. You know, well, I don't go into pubs that often, and all. Honest, I just don't need to be there. Yeah, of course. Uh, there has been times I've met a few people, but. And that's no, that's no really through fear that I'll drink or use. It's just, why do I need to be there? Of
0: course, man. I kind of kid myself on sometimes that I still like going out and socialising still because I don't want to be the guy who, oh, he doesn't he drink, doesn't, he doesn't come out. Yeah. But I don't really enjoy it anymore. Yeah. I don't enjoy it that much at all. If I'm in good company, it can be a good laugh and I like hanging about with my pals. But, man, I just don't like being around people getting pissed on. I, yeah. I don't know, man. Like, um... I don't, as you say, I do not for one minute think I'm gonna crack and have a beer or a drink, but yeah, yeah I just I just don't really feel like I I don't really like doing it and I've not no, been I've, to, I've been not been a club in years, I just don't do not see the
1: point. I can absolutely identify yeah, like no. the last I think the last thing I went to that I was out like kinda after twelve. I've been at house parties and that like
0: They're the worst for like me, like, I think, I, man. I just,
1: I just can't do it man. I've been to a house party that line started getting cracked out and just like and it was actually, like, it was my missus's, like, friend, you know, and I was just like, but she made, like, a big deal was made there, And I'm like, listen, this isn't a big deal. I'm just going. Aye, of course. You know, I've been to, like, recently I was at a drum and bass night in Nice and sleazy, but, like, I was out of there by quarter to twelve. Yeah. I've got no reason to be in there. And, like, it's not even resentment. Like, it's not I resent people that can drink. No, of I course. I just know or use, do you know what I mean? I just know where I go with it, like, if I pick up the first one, I'm obsessed and compelled to continue doing so, that, yep. I mean, that is a simple fact, you know, and my past, like, just, like, it tells me that, my past is my, that is what saved my life, yep. my experience,
0: Yeah. you know. So, 24, 25, you were pretty, you know, pretty reckless and working in a sh- as a chef and drinking yep. heavily and stuff. Was that when drugs were creeping in as well? Was it more alcohol? Like more,
1: more alcohol still. Yeah.
0: How uh, long have you been sober for? Two and a half. Two and a half years.
1: So more alcohol.
0: So you still, because of 24, 25, so you would have got sober at what, 33? Yeah. Something. So still a lot of years there that you were carrying lot, on for.
1: time and there was a lot of chaos in the years. But like you asked me about 24, 25, 26. like So probably my most stable time for a, like a year and a half. Uh, I met my daughter's mum, and I she got pregnant really fast. And again, I was obsessed, I was obsessed with her uh, by this point. Like, I was kind of claiming love, you know, but I didn't really know what love was because you can't experience love unless you love yourself. And yeah. a lot of the time, I hate well, that's where I drank, I hated myself, of course, man, you know, and like me too, man, as I'm, I, as I'm building up. The guilt and shame is growing because of their behaviors all the years. And see, especially when you get to like 10 years of that behavior, you're like, I need to keep going, I need to keep going. But I found a bit of stability in that time. And and, uh, my partner got pregnant at that time, and I've got a beautiful daughter out there, you know. Uh, But I struggled to find any connection. I struggled, like, I struggled. A dad, yeah know? of course yeah. but that nine months since she was pregnant I feel as if there was stability there uh, and there was tragedy in there as well with we, my partner's family you know really sad stuff went on uh, and we ended up moving through to Stirling and I got a job with like, Nick Nairn up in Dunblane yeah. again massive opportunities you know by that point I like I had calmed down there wasn't any need for detoxes or anything at that point because that came into my life later but uh, my daughter was only possibly one and I just kind of like the relationship ended pretty fast uh, she, she seemed through me man that's absolute bottom line yeah. and, uh, I wanted the old version of her that partied all the time and that's what I was attracted to and then I get the, the motherly version which is beautiful like amazing mum you know but I struggled with it, and like, yeah, long story short, relationship ended, I moved back to Glasgow, and then, boom, I'm living a double life, I'm, tr- I'm working, I'm partying hard, and see, I'm still calling it partying, do you that? Like, it's that, way? it's not even partying, it's, uh, it's using, you know, I even believe when you're drinking, you're using, it's yeah, a drug, yeah, yeah, uh, drugs were in my life massively at this point, and my partner didn't know me using it at that point, you know. And I moved in with a guy who'd just get like a hundred grand inheritance, and I'm shaking a rug in the flare and finding rocks of coke that are massive. <laughs> like, I didn't need to even buy it. Fucking hell. Uh, still holding down a job and then traveling through to Dumbly trying to be a dad. Uh, and, and that, like, kind of eventually became sporadic as well because, I mean, I couldn't actually handle it. Uh, I, w- I ended up just walking with my job in Dumbly one day. Just be- I was so bust, I just couldn't face the shift, yep. broke down in tears I literally walked into the kitchen actually somebody gave me like a dirty look and I was like, I can't do this man walked out, got all my stuff went back to the digs, packed up and then f- I phoned my par- like my ex partner actually and I went through to Stirling and I just crashed out on the couch, my brother came through to get me you know and, and that is when so I go to the doctors you know but they're me with antidepressants but that's no their fault. I'm gonna because I still want to drink. Yeah, yeah. I take drugs. So I know I can't take drugs, right? But I want to drink. You know, that's what drinks my master at this point. You know, drugs were rife in my life, but I know the first thing I go to is alcohol. Yep. You know, that's what I pick up. Yeah. Uh, and then once I'm drinking it's free then. Yeah. And then just so at that point
0: then you're just, uh, you don't have a job, you walked out your the job? Walked out the job, got a job pretty quick
1: in a place in Partick. Uh, Still living with this guy? No. No, I didn't. Moved, right. moved back into mum and dad's house right, actually, okay. so my parents took me back in. So they are driving back and forth with them, playing, getting my stuff. You know, I've got a, a very, very supportive, loving family. and And by this point, it's like they know there's something wrong. I'm claiming mental health There is mental health there Yeah of course But obviously I could If I stopped drinking If I got clean You know At this point I would even call it getting clean If I just stopped using drugs Because I wasn't dependent on drugs By this point Alcohol dependency Was definitely there But I can still get jobs You know So I'm lying to myself mad and mad and Yeah more, uh, And I walk into this job And Same craziness It's full of students and I'm, like, late 20s at this point, but I want to be a student, man. So I'm just, like, <laughs> bouncing about the rain. like, 18, 19. And it was cool. I get free rain over writing the menu with a guy that I knew really well. And, like, again, great opportunity. You know what I mean? And I burned it to the ground just with my behaviour. Yeah. Like, you know? And I could go in there. I mean, I went in there in some states. I went in there at, like taking pills at like six in the morning. Is this the
0: place the you were working when we were talking yeah. about those nights where Aye. we would kind of meet that's up? That was working. At,
1: you know, and see, even that night that was a perfect example. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we won't go into it, but I'm waking up in a kitchen floor with all my clothes on, and I just wake up and go to work and yeah. work a twelve-hour shift. Yeah. You know, and then at the end of the night, I need a pint. Obviously, you know, I'm actually drinking during the shift. Yeah, of course. Asking for wine to cook certain things, with making sauce and. But I'm drinking the wine, cause I need to square myself up. You know, Valium, uh, cond my life to s- square myself up. You know, uh, anyway, it's crazy. I held that job for like a year and a half, and I don't know how. When I look back, I'm like, my God, like I really don't know how. Yeah, of
0: course, man. <laughs> I'm the same. Like that night, those nights we were talking about, the Vice City nights. So we- basically, it was a Wednesday night, and it was that good. We loved that club so much. We were out every Wednesday night, and we were, you know, I had a job in the bank to go to in a Thursday you know and I'm Thursday I'm either going in burst or I'm not going in and again I look back and go how the fuck did I keep that job for so long but it was just like
1: How long did you
0: keep keep it for? Well I kept that job until I ended up coming and doing coaching later later on once I sorted everything out but yeah it was basically because uh, my dad worked for the bank and it was quite high up good cover for me, the people I worked with in the branch really liked me so, cause I, you know, I wasn't a bad person. I yep. was just a fucking a bit fucked up. But when I was in working, you know, you know, normal and sober, you know, everybody liked me. Everybody really eh, wanted me to do well. So when I didn't go in, they would know. Yeah. So they would, you know, cover for me and say, "He's just put me in as a sick, even though they yep. know fine well that it was because um, I'd be in my bed, passed out, probably or on yep. the floor, passed out." But I was, uh, I'm very lucky. Okay. That was the same with my previous job, but I worked in a call centre and my team leader just really liked me. We just got on really well. But I took advantage of that and knew that I could get away with not going in the next day or going in an hour late. Because uh, that's what we do.
1: We're very manipulative. Yeah, yeah. I mean, manipulation. It's, it's selfish, man. Uh, manipulation you know. was in my life from the start. And I'm talking about family, like friends, you know. See, even to this day, man, I still... Like there's certain people that were close to me that, like, I still haven't made amends. And that's not through just like backing off. It's through certain situations, like I can't. Maybe they live somewhere else, blah blah blah. But the manipulation, like, was—it's <laughs> terrible. That's probably my number one defect. Mm-hmm. You know, manipulation and envy. And where the envy comes, manipulation. Yeah. connected Connected. Yeah. know, Because I'm trying to get what other people have by, like. Uh, Underhand tactics, you know. Uh, but so I'm in this job, and this is really like when it starts to take a dark turn. Like I met mi- I meet uh, this girl, who I spend about three and a half to four years with, and it was just like drugs became rife, you know. And I'm using behind her back. Downers, downers come into my life, uh, mainly heroin, Valium, you know, and. And we're still taking uppers and flats have turned into bedsits, you know, bedsits. that so we've got a mattress on the floor and just a load of crap around us, you know. Uh, and I'm still trying to go into work and present this face. That's crazy, man. Uh, but I was still at work for a year and a half after that. You know, a year and a half, I moved over, like I left that place in Partick, moved over to the south side, and I rode it out, you know, I, I rode that job out, and there was just, like, again, resilience, resilience, resilience. Uh, I don't say that to boast, you know, I don't say that as if if you've got resilience, that behaviour's all right, it's no, horrible. Not, but I think that's what kept me in the game for so long. Uh, like, just uh, the states haven't in there, and it was an open kitchen, you know, <laughs> people could see me. What was your
0: fucking, what was your state of mind when you were sobered up, when you were in work? There
1: was many times I was sober. Just fucked? Yeah. Constantly. constantly. Just drinking and licking Li- Yeah, around. literally constantly. If I'm not using them, work, I'm drinking like wine, usually, you know. Same stuff. If I'm asking to get wine for certain dishes and I'm putting half in and keeping it, you know. And I, th- I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm just about to use a bad excuse, but it was just squaring up. You know, I was squaring up. No. I wasn't like bouncing about the kitchen, like <laughs> fucked up, you know. Like, but I stayed there for a year and a half and Big point in my life, like, uh, so the place gets bought over and we get called in, but see, in all this time, I've started, me and my pals, well, me and the chef i worked for, actually, I've started this kind of, like, street food venture called The Gastropunks, and, like, we start this, like, we start this Twitter, and we are going on about it too much, we start this Twitter, and it's all a mystery who's behind The Gastropunks, and we put on this event where we invite people you know, like we we invite bloggers, uh, guys that work for papers, other chefs in Glasgow that were yeah. like quite a big deal. We get rave reviews, Nora, and oh what a time that was! But I fucked the whole time, you know what? And so I, I, we end up like we get bought over in the restaurant we were working in, and uh, the guy that I'm talking about, like my head chef said to me, "You need to get yourself sorted. Out. Don't look for another job. Go away. Get yourself sorted because." You're a, you're a ragtag state essentially I was an absolute mess you know I'd no weight on me just a mess I looked grey you know <laughs> like, and I didn't take his advice I didn't have a job now uh, and I had a bit of money because we get paid off you know because the business has been bought over and the owner paid us off and and then that's where it takes the real like the downhill spiral yep. is in by this point Uh that Gastropunks venture that kind of like uh, our own business end up doing they end up doing amazing their own STV you know they're doing all this stuff and I'm pure resenting them I remember they put an event on down in uh, down in the town uh, next to the Tron Theatre yep. and they put an event on in there and I'm turning up outside and I'm calling like my pal out and I want to fight and all that and in, in I just a horrible, horrible, dark time. And again, this is when I, I ended up in a homeless unit at that point, you know. And that was my first detox. I ended up with a drug worker, like, saying a drug worker, a cat team worker, an addictions worker, who, who starts talking about recovery. And at this point, I'm still, like, in a way, attracted, like, to the chaos. The relationship I'm in is... It's falling apart, and then we make up. It's falling apart, we make up, and it's just horrible. And when I say falling apart, I mean, like, overdoses. I mean, uh, like, hitting each other, you know? I mean, like, mental abuse. Yep. I mean... You're you hosp- living together on I, no. bed sits Aye. Bed You aye. know, hospital stays, uh, the police getting called because of noise, me getting lifted, you know, me getting asked to leave the flat, getting... Getting actually like tossed, like pretty much <laughs> escorted out the street. I mean, craziness, you know. And and that eventually, that eventually disintegrated that relationship, obviously. But we were, we were far too similar. We yeah. were uh, we were attracted to the same stuff, and people warned us, you know, you are gonna kill each other. And like, I mean, self harm was r- like really back in my life at that point. She was a self harmer. I was self harming. Like, I've got, like really <laughs> bad scars over my body and that was her cutting and she's got the same with me cutting I mean we could have killed each other yeah, could definitely absolute bottom line and when I look back now I'm glad like her mum and her stepdad ended up getting involved uh, then my first rehab stint came in and I'd like to say that rehab stint was where it all like, came together but it wasn't I went in there wearing a mask you know, I went in there and get close to people I shouldn't have. I get I went in there uh, with the idea that I would put the drugs down and be like I could drink still. Yeah. You know, I'm sharing that in groups. Obviously, you're like sitting in groups uh, and we're sharing about where we're at and what you want from this stint in rehab, and and I'm like I just want to get the drug problem under control. By this point, heroin is in my life. You know, intravenous like. Uh, snorting. I started snorting, went to smoking then went to the big one you know that that's just the progression for me yeah. and luckily I wasn't using that long yeah. you know until when my first stint in rehab came in and there's people in there that are fucking using for like 30 years you know so I look at them and go nah, I'm not that bad man I'm not that bad lying to myself yeah. I need the justification because yeah. I want to go back out and I want to drink and that girl that I was in a relationship with she ends up coming up for a visit and I'm just like you know, I was just, I told, like, I lived the lie again, I embraced the lie. Uh, and I get, I mentioned that I get close to the wrong people and, and I ended up using them there. I went out and scored, brought drugs into the rehab oh, used mm. and get asked to leave. You know, put people in danger. Put people in danger that if they used once yep. again, they yep. might die. Yep. You know, uh, and I get asked to leave and I remember walking down the stairs at uh, that rehabilitation centre and I was like, I've completely fucked this. Like, you know, I had fear at that point. It was probably the first time that I felt like genuine fear, you know, and I went and picked up the first drink, you know, just to, and that was like two years. I drank every day for two years before I went back in. Fuck, man. You know, some days I was just drinking to square myself up, you know, calling my mum, I really need this, I really need this, and I got about, I don't even know five detoxes for alcohol uh, are you back home again? back home again because there's real worrying and ah, of course you know real worrying did you care about what happened to you? no no by this point no uh, especially when at the times I was sobriety and I don't mean subri- but I mean when I was sober at certain times by this point I absolutely despised myself yeah you know, that's where the daily using yeah, come in. Yeah. You know, and drugs come back into my life at this point as well. And by this time, there's crazy drugs in the streets—these legal highs, he's smoking man, <laughs> one draw is like, it's craziness. You know, and and it's all becoming easy to get because I'm getting to know the dealers. Right. You, you know, and. I don't really want to talk too much about that because it's just like it's just that same stuff, you know. It's a, it's just my daily routine. Yeah. Like yeah. go booze. I used to get. I remember in Lido, they used to do. Not working. S- cider for like one. Uh, no, no, No work not at not this working. point. No. I've, I've no worked since. Aye. You know they used to do cider for one ninety eight. Uh, I was stealing at this point. I was in stealing booze and like for. Fa- I used to see how they done the tw- twelve packs of Strongbow. I used to go and get a trolley open the twelve packs so that when they set the alarm off, just take what I needed and I've been caught a few times. You know, I'm getting taken in like you, you know, I'm doing I'm lucky enough and I've i no been in jail, I've no done barrel or anything, but I've been done plenty of weekenders. Yeah, it was yeah. disgusting. Yeah, you know, yeah. I woke up naked in a cell one night yeah. because supposedly I was shouting about killing myself. I've no recollection. Blackouts were blackouts were as common as and and man blackouts were as common as using. That's probably the best way to put it. You know yeah. I say that to a lot a
0: lot of people. I fucking rarely remembered the last few hours of the night when I drank. Yeah. Really, man. Always always blacking out and that's fucking scary, Because like you couldn't I couldn't remember how I got home. So I woke yeah. up once with um a black eye and no phone. So somebody's hit me or whatever
1: and stole my phone. I can't even remember what happened. Yeah, could not even remember what had happened. Do you know what I mean? The guy could have done anything to me. Do you know what well, mean? I hear in meetings very often the one thing that's different about alcoholics is when they black out, they're still doing stuff. They're still active. You know, like you're saying, you wake up with black eyes. No, I got home. I was in my bed. I? No, I to. get it, man. <laughs> like I've I've done yeah, it so no. many times. Uh, like I've also like woke up in like streets, yeah, yeah, like yeah. lanes. You know, and I'm not saying I was. De- I probably just went in there and kneeled down, like, and and like, maybe I don't even know, but, I mean, I, I mean, see when it's getting to that stage, oh, yeah, what yeah. the fuck are you, what are we doing, man? Yeah, of course we man. can just continue doing it. Ah, yeah,
0: you know, that's the thing, man. It's like you, you. what I knew I was like blacking out that much and not remembering how I'm getting home and people saying mate you've done this you've done that you almost fucking fell off a fucking bridge or blah 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 and then you, as you say most people would then start yeah. to calm it down or get a good con- And when you keep doing it um, but for me luckily I never ever eh, I never took a drug man
1: yeah.
0: ever which obviously I'm glad about but um, but we still suffer for the same illness yeah you know yeah but it's just I think I, I was a wee bit above the drugs when I used to drink man just never really didn't really see it that much. I don't yeah. know. I don't know why. But now I don't drink. I see it, a lot. I don't know if it's just changed now. If it's definitely. I, think, or it, ever, I but think
1: it's more common now. I don't know if I, I was too drunk
0: t- to realise. But now I'm sober and stuff. And I realise how
1: fucking rife it is, man. It's yeah. fucking scary. Well. I mean, like, like you're saying, like we are. Different phenomenal normal people. Yeah. That's the absolute bottom line. We pick up one drink and I've said this I said this before, we're obsessed and compelled, uh, because we suffer from an illness. Now, if we're not recognizing that illness, we're only getting worse. Yeah, of course. You know, if uh, we we black out and create chaos and we literally do not know what's happened. You know, like I would say I've never used a drug without alcohol in my system. Yeah. There you go. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've never... So, that's why it took a long time for me to accept that alcohol was my master. It took a long time for me to accept because I was was obsessed with it. of course. Because I needed it, you know. Uh, But the second time, I I mean, my mental health really deteriorated. Seeing that two years. My mental health deteriorated in... Like, my, my addictions worker was actually a community psychiatric nurse as well, and she's seen it, you know, and, and I'm actually not even using as much. See, by, like, kind of the end, am I drinking and using? Uh, I'm not even using as much, and I'm just getting through the days, uh, and I just, I just break one day, and, and I phone my worker and she picks me up and she takes me to Parkhead Hospital, which is like a mental hospital, you know, and uh, they're just like, right, bring him in, four-week section, you know, we'll detox him for what he's using, and I mean, by this point, legal highs and valium, you know, kind of heroin had left my life uh, before that, well, just as I went into that last rehab, you know, uh, so I'm sectioned in, I believe, like, I prayed, like see, once I came out, the kind of it took me about a week to kind of come to my senses and I actually prayed, probably for the first time in my life. Try to be actually honest. Did I know what I was praying to? No, that's absolute bottom line. I had, I didn't, I didn't have a relationship with God. I feared God and feared the devil in the same measure. Three yeah. men has grown up. That's what yeah. created that. Like I just, the two of them, I couldn't find a middle ground. Uh, but I guess what I got was a wee bit of clarity. I accepted I was alcoholic. Without understanding what an alcoholic was, that's abs- I didn't understand what an alcoholic was because it isn't just someone who drinks too much. It's a different thing. Yeah. You know, you could get, like, when you pick up, you don't stop until the next morning. Yeah. Or maybe even beyond yeah, that. keep going, yeah. You'll get somebody who drinks too much that can put it down, but they don't suffer. I see that feeling in your belly, I need a. I need another drink You know Some people are binge drinkers Some people are daily drinkers I was not like Walking I was not paralytic Yeah of course A lot of the time Yeah You know I was just I was talked up I was merry You know I'd Well I was about to say that I don't believe I was bad company (laughs) But I mean That's just Denial (laughs) Eh But yeah Like so I dump Like I do four weeks uh, uh, in this mental hospital, and the sights I've seen in there were horrible, you know. Yeah. People hadn't come off the acid trip for the 90s and they're in there, they've been in there for years, man. They're scary people. Uh, and actually, I t- it scared the living shit out of me, in all honesty. I didn't want to end up there, didn't want to date for my family. I told my family I don't want you up here because I couldn't even have them for visiting. Yeah. I mean, obviously, by this point, my relationship with my daughter it's non-existent, and it wasn't for a long time, I would turn up and, uh, you know, I would turn up and try, and just be, just be human, you know, and, I still can't connect, and I still can't connect, and that's in my mind constantly, it was a lot, that was a lot of like, at the end of my using, that was in my mind constantly, because, she's starting to become a wee girl now, she's not a baby, you know, and, uh, she can remember these times, and, that's, I've got ongoing amends to make to her, you know. Uh, but so I finish a stay in, in the hospital and and I'm clean, you know. I'm clean by the time I get out of there yeah. and, and I go back into rehab again. Six-month programme and I walk in the doors uh, and I literally get picked up from the hospital and taken to rehab. Probably the best thing for me. Yeah, uh, But this time I was determined. This time I actually kind of like was getting to grips with the illness that I suffered for, you know, I I didn't have a clue about it, but I, I started I started to understand why like, this is an illness, you know. By this point, fellowship had been in my life here and there because in uh, the hospital, NA came in, AA came in, CA came in, in, in sporadic times, in times I was, like, trying to get clean and sober, I'd been to certain meetings and I just went, this is not for me, you know. Uh I always heard people using the excuse that this is all about God and I just used that excuse and it didn't even bother me that aspect. Yeah. you know like I said I'd always had a kind of idea of it uh, so I go into this rehab again and I try and leave all the masks at the door see all the masks I put on for other people because yep. I'm just trying to be what everybody else wants me to be I tried to leave them at the door and and I went for it you know I just get in there I engaged I was honest uh, and it was hard times man you're in there for six months that's like really difficult but it flies I mean I mentioned bipolar earlier on I think it was a manic episode that whole fucking stay because I couldn't sit still like I I look back and I didn't really forge any like very close relationships apart from one guy's for the Gorbals actually uh, but also know that relationship isn't going to last when we get out because he, he's like a lot older than me and we're into different stuff but I went through that program, and during the program, AA came in on a Wednesday night, and, and that changed my life. That's the absolute bottom line, Yeah. you know? I uh, started to realize, I started to understand the illness, I started to understand, I mean, people are coming up there and sharing 10 years clean and sober, and they've been through some of the worst trauma I've heard, you know? And I'm sitting there, and all I've had is love but yet I'm in this rehab. I put my family through hell. And just to get a clear picture of, like, my family, you know, like, my family went through the absolute ringer. Like, my brother, my oldest brother, who we both know, you know, and, like, that relationship was shattered. My younger brother, like, he didn't know what he did with it. I know what upset him. And my sister tried her hardest to be there for me. But I just... I screwed it over every single time because I couldn't stop and I didn't know how to stop, I didn't understand Uh, and then with Sam, like my daughter, like I mentioned, non-existent, so I go into this rehab and I'm speaking about my family there because they're the, like, they come up to visit in force. Yeah. When, like, I'm about six weeks in and they come up to visit in force and I don't deserve that, you know, I really don't deserve it and, they came up purely through love, the and the enthusiasm, the positive, like thoughts and and even prayers that I got for him, Insane. you know, after the yeah. ringer, I put them through of for course. at least ten years. Yeah. So is that the uh, was that it was that the last rehab you had? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it actually lasted a year. Uh-huh. So, six month program. It's no twelve step based. I mean, for me personally. My recovery lies in the twelve-step program, but that was picked up through AA coming in on a Wednesday. Uh, the rehab I was in it used to be in Pawsel, but now it's moved over to Annie's Land, an absolutely phenomenal place. It's a it's a behavioural based program, so we look at behaviours, why why we use, trying to understand uh, all these negative behaviours, and we what we do is we look at connection. I'm saying we like what they do is look at connection between other people and you, you know, like, see, when you're at your worst, you're isolated, you know, even when you're, at, like, I could be in a room full of people at my worst, but I'm isolated, yeah. like, I'm so separate from them, so we looked at all that stuff, and just, I mean, some of the people I met were amazing, but the best thing I got out of it was AA coming in on a Wednesday, and, and I quickly quickly found, I mean, the guy that brought that message up, I was just so attracted to his his message, I was so attracted to just who he was, you know, very strong, very confident in the information he gave me about somewhere that can treat the illness of alcoholism, you know, I don't, I believe uh, during the six months of treatment, and this is just my opinion, but they don't look at the illness, you know, and I'm quite strong in that opinion. Uh, you know, they call it, like, call it alcoholism, and if you take alcohol out of alcoholism, you're left with ISM, internal spiritual malady, you know, and, and I don't mean it needs to be all about, all oh, like, praying to God constantly, yeah, yeah. And, 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 like, garanga and all that <laughs> stuff. Uh, all I'm meaning is you need to learn to love yourself, yeah. you know, and that's what spirituality is, its most core level is yeah, learning course. to love yourself.
0: Yeah. So, from like that point going forward, like, what did you feel, or like, how did you feel you had to rebuild like relationships with your, f- well especially your family? Yeah.
1: Well, that took it took time. You know, we need to get. They need to get trust back. Yeah. You know I need to deal with the fact. I kinda just jump in after six weeks of rehab and go, Mm. oh my god, like, I'm so sorry, and this is... So, I had to invest myself in recovery and just slowly, you know, my mum and dad were amazing, like, uh, I wanted for nothing when I was in rehab, you know, to bring me bits and bobs up, Uh, because you only get a really small, like, kind of allowance a week, money-wise, and, like, the allowance I got was just enough for my tobacco and that was it. Mum and dad would bring me bits and bobs up and my brothers and sisters, like, again, all these things are ongoing amends. You yep. know, I had to go through a process before I could make proper amends. Yeah. And especially with my family, I always share this as well, like, at meetings and stuff. I, I wanted to get my family around a big, massive table and cook dinner, stand at the end <laughs> and make this big speech uh, about how I'm, how I'm sorry... Essentially, make amends to every single one of them at the same time. and My sponsors just looked at me and like, oh, "What are you talking about? You need to, Are you going to speak to your mum the same way as you're going to speak to your dad? You know, you need to be individual. Yeah. You know, like my oldest brother. Like we just went, we just went for a coffee, man. And I just like explained to him, and the most important thing is looking someone in the eye. But by the time I got to that process, I had. Good bit of sobriety under my belt, you know. They could see I was invested in it. By this time, you know, I'd went through. i had been through already a learning process about how to cope with the illness. I'd, I mean, I was I was connected spiritually as well, and and what I learned was let them come back to you. Yeah. Don't chase it, you know. And and the bottom line is, there's still ongoing amends, ongoing to. Forever, man. You yeah. know, I need to, I want to be a productive member of my family. I want to be a father. Like you know, I've never sat Sam down and ex- explained the situation. But she came to like the meeting that I shared that for my year's sobriety. Like she's she's been in amongst AA. She knows my sponsor. Where does she know? You know, she's nine. Nine. Nine, grown ten. Nine. Uh, and like, we mum. Never sat down. Really had a conversation, but again, our relationship is in, it's incredible considering what it was, yep. you know. And I, I'm very, very grateful for that. And then,
0: since you've got a uh, clean and sober, you've found running, running, yeah. So, just talk us through that, man, in terms of like how you came into
1: that and what it's done for you and how it helps you. When I was in my teens, early, early teens, like kind of 12, 13, I ran an athletics club. It lasted lasted about 10 months. Yeah. Uh, after that, there was really no interest until my first stint in rehab. They were talking about, like, they used to just go and run around the park, and I get quite obsessed with, like, wanting to better myself, like introducing all these wee fitness things in my room at night I would do press-ups, just all your basic stuff, yep. and then one of the workers said, listen, I've got a running group my Thursday why don't you come to that, and I get some time out, so I ran that, and he was like, Jordan, you could actually be alright at this, you know and, like, we've got this 10k coming up, it was done in Loch Lomond, it was part of the 10k series, uh, it was done at Loch Lomond, and so he, he was like, why don't we train for that for a few weeks and you can go down and run it and uh, I, I ran it and I ran it in 44 minutes, which isn't actually too bad, Great. you know uh, and then after that that's obviously when I got asked to leave rehab and running running was really my life and then Second stint, I start, they have got a treadmill now, and I've got a gym and, uh, and the rehab, and I start running the treadmill at night, just a few miles, but, like, really trying to hit seven and a half minute miles, which my absolute limit at that point, like, yeah. big time, you yeah. know, I would come off, like, fucked. But your body must have been in some fucking, you know, a bad state at aye, that point. Aye, but this is like. also, like, towards the end of that programme. Yeah. yeah, So, I get out, like, some six months in, I've maybe been doing that for about two months every night, which isn't too bad, well, of you know, course I look... Like so, but I've been eating shit in there. Yeah. Like I'm just full of stodge. I'm probably the heaviest I've ever been, you know. And uh, so i moved round to the supported accommodation part, which essentially entails, uh, you get a flat to yourself or you share with somebody. I was lucky enough to get a flat to myself, which I'm just more comfortable with. Uh, but there's an office downstairs with workers. They're, they're there for twelve hours a day, yep. just for support. Yep. You know, and you get like flat checks. You know, you trying like they're just trying to. Reintroduce you back to kind of society in general, uh, but that's what I really discovered running, you know, and and I started listening to Rich Roll, yep. you know, I was I was looking for wellness podcasts. It started with spirituality actually, and I remember in Rich Roll hearing a podcast about how spirituality can be combined with running, you know. My sponsor was a runner, you know, he'd ran the West Highland Way a couple of times, <coughs> he'd done various marathons, and it just kicked through there. But, of course, I've got an obsessive personality. I just went into it hardcore. So I'm trying to lose weight by boiling everything I'm eating, you know, really reducing, eating fruit for breakfast and lunch, and then eating vegetables, noodles, kind of making a ramen. So it's all boiled, you know. Uh, But I'm also trying to go out and run huge amounts of miles for, like, stupid amount for, like, where I was at. Yeah. Uh, that quickly crashed down. I, I plummeted in weight. I was actually getting challenged on it every Monday. We'd done like this challenging group. It was called. We'd sit in a circle, and if you're worried about somebody, you would challenge them on the behaviour. And I was constantly getting pulled up about my weight loss, yeah. my obsession with running. But I quite liked what I seen in the middle. That sounds a bit sick, but I was like right. obviously I came for like somebody relatively big, and I wasn't even that big. I was about twelve and a half, you know. Uh, but for me that was massive and then I get it done pretty fast but obviously it's a completely unhealthy way Uh, then I just start like I start eating better my running starts to improve you know in my first like I never even, in fact I never raced really until my year there May to May uh, 18 to 19 was my year for like my big running year But before that, like, with my sponsor, I went to Marrakesh. I walked the West Highland Way twice, you know, and and so I'm getting fitter, my eating's better. I decided to go vegan at the start of 2018, and everybody said to me, how do you expect to run a marathon if you're vegan? Uh, and I'm not, like, into counting the carbs and all that. Like, I'm really not into it, but I'm, I'm into eating plenty of stuff with protein, you yeah. know. I take B12 as a supplement, you know. I'm trying to do it as safe as possible. Obviously, Rich Rose, been a bit of a mentor when Definitely I to like him in that. Uh, and then I just, on a one was like, I'm going to do the Edinburgh Marathon. Now, 26.2, even at that point, was miles away from where I was at. Maybe 10 miles was, like like, kind of, that's me, like, uh, not pushing myself, but that's comfortable for me, yep. <clears throat> but I do it right, man, I train, I look, like, I look vaguely at a programme for my first one, Uh eh, and I ran a 3.07, Amazing you know, one. and at this point, I'm embedded in the fellowship, you know, I'm feeling really well, like, running that marathon in that time, like, and I wasn't even really rooting for a time at that point. I wanted yeah. to run as close to three hours as possible because yeah. they, say, they say an elite amateur's m- sub-free. Do you know what I mean? So that sub-free bra- mindset was always there for me. Uh, and then I finished that and went straight into training for, for craziness, an ultramarathon, 50 miles through in Stirlingshire. It's actually Stirling to Perth, only you're going to the hills. Yeah. Uh, and I don't even know, I watch a few videos, man, but I still think I know it all. (laughs) I'm designing my own training Uh. (laughs) programme. And I do all right, I come like 10th in that, like, you know, but it's the hardest, I I don't even know, like, I'm I'm signing up for one next year, but that one I done in October, man, was just, it was horrible. See the last 10 miles, it was, I don't even know if I enjoyed coming across the line (laughs) like that (laughs) way. I'm like, did I even really embrace that moment yeah. it was grim but obviously after like a few days later the kind of elation that way you're starting to think my god man, like, I've came a long way right, of course look at where you've been a couple yeah. of years previous man. Uh, and that's I guess like obviously combined with find, like, getting a relationship with my higher power, you know, maintaining it, and, like, that's not something I'm going to go into, but obviously the 12-step programme asks you to come out of self-will and go into God's will, and I I believe that just means the truth and the lie. I mean, like, if you go into any situation and look at the absolute truth, that's all I mean in that. You know, just try and do your best to Focusing the truth in any situation because I believe if I'm like running in ego or running in selfishness, obviously I'm going to believe the lie and just go down that, that rabbit hole. And if I, if I keep doing that, I'm not saying it's going to lead to using like that, but obviously it's a dark path. Yeah, definitely, you know, I man. It's a dark, dark path. And the running just kept getting better, yeah. to be honest, man. And uh, we signed up for Marrakesh. And, I would say that's a pinnacle, like and I looked into a proper training programme yeah. like running six minute miles in the treadmill, then getting out and running twenty miles outside, using a lot of incline. And I really, really focused on the training programme. You know, I ate properly. Uh, and we got on to Marrakesh and I ran under three hours and, and that's just line. like I mean that was elation. Seeing so yeah. across that line. Yeah. I, like I was crying, I was just thinking about Everything like I've mate. been through, and yeah. I've dra- everything I've dragged other people through, uh, and I get across the line. You get the medal. And it's not, you know yourself. It's not about the medal. It's not about. It's just about you've done. Of course, it. man. You know you you've won, and what have you won? You've won, like that personal battle that's within you, and it always has been. Maybe that's what was always raging inside me, and I don't mean running a sub fee, but just like proving yourself to of course, yourself. Mate.
0: Yeah, fucking hundred percent, man. I always struggled when I was documenting all the Ironman training and um, certain posts I'd make and stuff. I always had trouble, like, putting out there because I got so it, was so, it meant so much to me, like, doing it. Yeah. From where I had been in my life, my dad, what I'd put him through, as so much as you, the way you feel what you put your family through, that's what really sticks with me because of what I put him through. And I'd only been sober for two months before he died, and like um, living with that is is always going to be a hard thing for me. So, the uh, like the when I had done my first triathlon, uh, and then I told myself I was going to do an Ironman. It was like, it was almost like I'd attached doing an Ironman to proving that I wasn't that person anymore. That I could, you know, he could look down and see that I'd done that and be like, "Fuck, I'm proud of you." And um so I was like, I was like, going on a run and I'd fucking start crying during the run, like, so emotional of like, you know, I think it was the first, I think it was the first 20, I think I on 25k or something like that, I can't remember, but it was over a half marathon, it was the first time I'd done that distance and I was like, halfway through and I just felt fucking amazing, man, just like, the run, I felt good, I felt fit. I felt happy and I was just thinking about all that shit man and I just started crying and it happened on the bike it happened in the pool sometimes and then I would have all this emotion and all this stuff inside me and I'd write a post and I'd put it out and I'd be like people are going to think I'm fucking crazy man, people are not going to understand what that run that I just done a run on my own on a fucking Thursday afternoon, nobody's going to understand why I'm so emotional over that but what it is man it's like as you said like you're not gonna I'm not going to do an man to get a medal do you know what I mean I'm doing it for you know very fucking close personal reasons and um, like that's like for where you were to go and do that is like I think that is fucking an incredible achievement man so I'd like to think you're off each other yourself man no
1: I'm happy and just and the time as
0: well though man like fuck me I couldn't could never even get near that, man. That's, that's an impressive well, can, time, man. I,
1: you can, if you, I mean, if you train. Yeah. Like, all I had to do was, that's what my sponsor, seeing the way all my sponsor was adding to me, you're going to do a sub for all here. And I was just like, yeah. no, because obviously the first thing I go is trying to make sure, right, I'm not going to get too boastful. Yeah. Because if I don't do it, I'm going to look like a <laughs> player, <laughs> Of but, course, I. Uh, But he had trusted me, and I never trusted myself. And that's what, like, that was the lesson in that for me. Yeah. You know, I done the work. Yeah. Why wouldn't? Why would I, I complete it? You of know. Of course. And I think just for the record, you accentuated your Ironman journey absolutely perfectly. You know, I was like, I speak to my missus about you. You <laughs> know, and looking, look, I, I think I remember that post you're talking about, and you kind, you recorded it, didn't you? and You recorded yeah, it speaking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so don't doubt that, man. Yeah. Like every like you must have seen the support you were getting yeah, from definitely. all angles, and it was beautiful. You know, it was kind of journey that.
0: It was amazing watching that. Man. Yeah, it was it was, it was. it was. It was it special, man. But you'll know yourself even by you know putting it out there to on you know say social media that you're doing some right. sort of thing like that. That you know, yeah, are you know, it's, well for me anyway, there's always a worry about how you, how you come across because folk just. Don't, won't understand and that's fine because not everybody's going to understand you know why you're why you, something means a lot to you but yeah um, but you're I think you're always helping someone yeah. when you're course, honest yeah. with that stuff yeah. and this is why we're fucking doing this today yeah, obviously um because you know there's always going to be someone that can get something it. and those six months so I, since I started personal training and coaching and everything else the whole reason why I do it and why I put my own passed out there and uh, talk about it openly is because you know I want to help other people um, and I've always had people message me and going man you know your post really helped me your, yeah. your podcasts have helped me so you messaged me as well saying that kind of thing and um, but that six months of that training and how emotional it was and how open I was with how it was affecting me and what it was doing for me I've never had that many people messaging me to tell me that it's helped them give up the booze or try to yeah. give up the booze or cut back even or get to the gym, start running, go to the pool for their first swim. I mean that that that's the stuff that you know people won't even see you know, because I won't I'm not posting all that to yeah. say, Oh, he mentioned me, they mentioned me but it was incredible, man. It I was a great, great it's the best feeling ever, man.
1: I think our society in general, like lack self-belief so like you still have that wee thing in your head oh, you know, oh my god I'm a bit embarrassed about po- uh, yep. posting this but yep. what I loved about your journey was you've seen the ups and downs man absolute honesty of course bro. you know you're not just posting all oh, the ups <laughs> look what I've done today. the day yeah of because it's so so important to to essentially people that you have your down when oh. You're trying to do something like this. I mean, that's probably more important than the ups, yeah, in yeah, all yeah. honesty. Yeah. As a personal trainer, uh, someone who's, you know, fit, healthy, looks
0: good or whatever, I think that is just a thing where, like, you don't struggle with anything. You don't find anything yeah. hard but um, there was days where I was fucking crying on that bike, no, because I was feeling emotional and happy, because it was fucking disgustingly hard, yeah. and I thought, I can't fucking keep cycling, I can't keep, keep pedaling, or there was, uh, you know, open water sw- swims where I was just dreading the thing because it was a r- cold day, and I just didn't want to get in cold water, and it felt like shit, and... Um, yeah, it's very honest, It's very important to be honest with that stuff because you know I would never want anybody just to go into something like uh, trading for an endurance event thinking it's all going to be <laughs> great fun. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm sure you've had your dark days. Oh. we're running as much as it
1: helps us. There's, you know there are as bad days, isn't there? Aye, well there's a ga- great Game of Thrones quote: "Without fear, there's no courage." Yep. So I need to feel my fear. That's yeah. the base emotion. That's why we drank. Yeah. You know, that's why we used that's why we got ourselves shit because we needed to escape the fear that mm. we felt. And there's no point in trying to trace back wh- when did that fear become like so so big in my life? But fear can be healthy as well. That's what I'm trying to say, yeah, you know. Definitely. Fear can be very, very healthy and off oh, man, like some runs, some twenty miles I remember actually doing one and I had to go through the town and right along the Clyde Walkway and it, it was meant to be a 20 miler and 11 mile in I was just like, it was meant to be 7 minute miles the whole way and I just lost the plot I li- like 11 miles and I just stopped yep. like that was it man uh, and I hated myself for it you know yep. but only for a bit you know I went home you know, I meditated. I tried to realise. Listen, man, one bad day you learn more for that than like every good day of you've course, ever had. Of course. You man. know, and and I truly believe that. And that's not just through like running or like a, like Iron Man stuff for like, that's life, man. Like that's the absolute bottom line. Oh, I definitely. You know, it just comes all back. To, you know, if if uh,
0: if I hadn't had that past that I've had, that. I'd embarrassed about and I regret I wouldn't be doing this today that I love so much yeah. and you know if I hadn't um, if I hadn't failed at certain things I wouldn't have learned how to get better and improve and get stronger and you know I think that everybody's scared fail and everybody yeah. has self doubt and that's why people like me are needed because I've been there done that and I'm that person now to make that person believe in themselves but I totally understand why people don't believe in themselves because
1: I think everybody's built out a wee bit, of course, but our experience is our greatest asset. So, I truly believe, like service, right? You, you, you're doing service. You know what I mean? Through your job, you're serving like, society, humanity, whatever way you want to look at it. And that's that sounds like a bit over the top, man. But it's absolutely true. Yeah. Just put it down to the absolute basic, yeah. You know, you're helping people to discover themselves. When I share at meetings, see if there's one person in the room. I, like you could save someone's life, aren't yeah, of You know, me. you can save someone's life if you're if you're meeting and greeting at a meeting and going, oh, it's nice to see you. Come on in, I'll get you a cup of tea. I mean, you need to respect that, you know. And I believe service. You always hear rich Roll talking about service and service is not just like in the fellowship. Service is in society. Service is just smiling at somebody when they look as if they're having a bad day. Yeah, like, totally. The base and I'm not saying that I did that every day, because I have my bad days, like everybody else, probably the same as you, man, you know? Uh, but the days, like, I, I really embrace it are, like, probably my best days. Yeah, definitely. You know, like, I, I've met I've met a beautiful girl. Like, my life, I should be, like, over the moon with my life, and, and I am, you know? I, I've met a beautiful girl. My relationship with my daughter is... Like so much better than it's ever been, and I genuinely believe the work in that will never stop. Obviously, my relationship with my family is is the best it's ever been because yep. it's based on honesty, you know. But I can still have my bad days, yeah, of course. You know, in the other days, that I probably learned more about myself than anything else, yeah, yeah. So, you care touched on like um
0: spirituality and things like that. Is that just like a is that like your meditation? Is that some different is
1: meditation, prayer? So, like, we're asked to fight, make contact with a higher power. I kind of mentioned that. And I truly don't understand the God that I believe in fully. You know, I'm no religious whatsoever. Yeah. You know, I went and learned how to meditate properly, uh, which, it's amazing, you know. it's It's been amazing for me. It enables me to look inside instead of concentrating in the material world all the time, because I think I can get wrapped up with that, like everything on the outside, and I never really look in look at my heart, how are you really feeling you know, I'm controlled by the outside world and that's just the way I see it man, like you know, I, I wouldn't be like, I'd say that like, you know, we always say in the fellowship that don't base anything I'm saying, <laughs> we well, don't because this is just my opinion but, uh, and obviously prayer, and I struggled with prayer for the start, you know, and my sponsor used to say, just talk the way, like, just talk in your own accent, and the the way you talk, the words you use, you know, just the fact you've got a belief in a higher power is enough, you know, And, and I maintain that on a daily basis as best I can, you know, I meditate for 20 minutes in the morning, I meditate for 20 minutes at night, and people might think that's nuts, like, 40 minutes of meditation a day, but it's just... The way I learned, and I've, I've recently looked into Like, I'm gonna wait at an eco farm in February for the full month to volunteer, and just that's it's Krishna consciousness, so it's like ran by harry Krishna's, and it's kind of similar to a lot of the stuff Russell Brand, Brand yeah, talks about, he kind of promotes it. Uh, and I'm just gonna go down and John Joseph as well I don't know if you yeah, know did, John Joseph yeah. uh, just through uh, the Iron Man stuff aye, through the Iron Man stuff so he was the, kind of the first guy that like, put that like uh, like I heard speak about it properly you know I, I've got this image of Hare Krishna's in the street trying to sell you books yeah, yeah. but he, he spoke about it and then I get some of the literature and the si- similari- similarities in my beliefs to theirs is incredible it just feels a. F- can identify. Uh, now I'm not saying I'm devout, I'm not saying I'm gonna wait to come back with my head shaved and wearing like orange robes <laughs> but I'm hopefully gonna go away and learn about myself and learn about a way that can maintain my spiritual health. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Do you find do you find
0: that um do you find it hard? Like day like day to day living
1: and like uh, spiritual base? No, no, I mean being sober. Mm. I can do yeah. at times. Uh, I've struggled. Like I mentioned earlier, I've been diagnosed with bipolar, you know, and my medication hasn't regulated yet. Uh, and automatically I go into that zone of maybe I'm not an addict. Maybe <laughs> I'm just bipolar, yeah. you know. And so obviously, and I've, I've struggled to come to terms with that, to be honest. I been mean, through a period, I've been like, oh no, I know, this is a load of bullshit. How long ago was that? You know, it, it was just, like, three months ago oh I got yeah. diagnosed. So, obviously, at the moment, they're, like they're kind of looking at medication. They're, tr- they're, like, raising the dose and lowering the dose. And, like, a lot of the medication kind of knock you out at times. And uh, But I'm glad because when I look, again, reflection's a beautiful thing because when I look back, I can... I can see th- I mean, I have episodes yeah. in my past. Uh but hopefully I mean that uh, I get to a point that that's regulated. But days in sobriety, like everybody else, I have my down days. Yeah. You know, like everybody else I can buy into how shit the world can be sometimes. Like everybody else I can focus on what I haven't got instead of what I have yeah. got. And then uh my partner just comes in and sounds really cheesy but she smiles at me or Like, she's taught me how to sit still. She's taught me how to, like, no need, like, a fucking box set or, like, you know, we don't need to do something that night. We can just be. And I've never been able to just be. Uh, And she's she's very spiritual, you know. She's half Indian, half Filipino. And I believe, like, that kind of, like, I believe for her Indian side, she's learned this natural spirituality, you know, for all <laughs> but that's what I see on, that's yeah. what I'm attracted to more than anything else. Uh, but I have I have bad days every week. Yeah, like every week I have yeah. a bad day. Uh, but I have more good days than bad. Yeah.
0: Um, people ask me all the time. It's a very fucking common question, which, which is not normal for people to ask, I suppose. But they're, they're always like, "Do you miss it? Get that all the time, and I miss boozing every day. I don't I I I can't walk past a pub without looking in and just imagining what it would be like to get in and order a pint. Yeah. And I walk past a pub literally as soon as I walk out of here and walk up the yeah. road so it happens every single day and then I'll go further up Victoria Road and there's another pub. And I go around the corner and there's another pub. So I pass like four pubs and I yeah. walk home and to work and I, and there's never a time where I don't look at it and just wonder or want. Yeah. I want that pint, and I'm never gonna have one. It's you know, it's not, it's not like that. It's not like I'm walking past fucking shaking or all that. I, but I just walk I'm just I see, I see guys inside fucking drinking pints, and I'm like, ah, fuck, like yeah. <laughs> i fucking miss that man. But it's, but I, it's not like um, as I say, it's not a really hard thing to do. But it's just the way it is, man. It's not. A, I think people kind of think that like seven years, you can't. You know, I just don't miss it anymore yeah. or like or they always go oh but surely you could have a cut of pints now because you've been off it for so long and you've know, you know, you've got all this and I'm like no because if that, if I have a fucking pint I'm risking ruining everything that I have yeah. fucking
1: worked for <laughs> over the last seven years of course because that's what
0: it is isn't it
1: right but I believe what you just said there's an asset of yours you know I miss of course I miss boots man I miss uppers like I would love nothing more for me and my missus just to lie in bed and take ecstasy. This <laughs> <It> sounds <seems laughs> nuts but just like not <laughs> come right up, man. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you are loved up and all uh, that shit and we're loved up enough. Yeah. But it's just that constantly I want more, I want more, I want more. Uh, but I understand alcoholism.
0: Did you sit there and know that you'd never drink again? No. Don't?
1: No, we can never. I don't, I believe every day's eh, uh, we need to just take it a day at a time. That's what I learned in the fellowship. Uh, the longest time MD- anyone's ever been sober is 24 hours because every day every day I look at, like, right, what's happened today? Like, who do I owe a mens to? Yeah. Like, where was I fearful? And I heard somebody share this one time, and I think it's great. You just put it in a file, and you put it away in a drawer, you know, and that's that day over because we're always going to fuck up you know, but see if we keep that, like, resentment, resentment's the number one offender, we could, like, we could drink or resentment, we could use drugs or resentment, and, so, I mean, again, it's about doing your best, it's not about, it's progress, not perfection, you know, but resentment building up, if you're scared of something, you're not sharing it, talking, I mean, the most therapeutic value of one addict helping another, you know, like what we're doing right now. Yeah, of course. You know, that is therapeutic for us. And totally. Probably w- well, I know I'll walk out here and be like, that was awesome, you know, just invent.
0: Totally, man. So how do
1: you see your life going forward to now, man? like, well, I've done, I mean, I've done a lot of voluntary. I, I recently, like, I've been volunteering up in Berlin. you know, like, chairing meetings up there, taking guys through a 12-step programme. That, that's been great for me, you know, that's... That's, like, something I never thought I would do, but I shared up there one night, and I was just like, my God, this isn't the way I, th- I would have thought it would be, and I could connect with the people, so I carried the message up there, and that's been massive. Uh, the way I see my life going to now is just... Again, I, t- I kind of take... That's a hard question, because I take it back to a day at a time on yep. it, like, usually, and... But I'm not I'm no working at the moment, you know? I've not worked... Since I've got into sobriety, yeah. uh, I've done a placement where I struggled because obviously that's on new You know, I meet a partner comes into my life, a job comes in, it was, well it was a work placement, uh, but that comes into my life and I struggle because all of a sudden I've, I'm introduced to that fear, I'm introduced to financial insecurity. Yeah. You know, uh, I just want to, well, one, I want to maintain my sobriety first and foremost, two, I want to maintain the spirituality I've found. Three, I want to find a job or like I want to find something that inspires me. Yep. You know, and like everybody always says, Why don't you just go back into the kitchen? But a lot I mean i w I've been back into the reta- the rehab that uh, i vol- like I, I was in a volunteer in there, I've been I volunteer at recovery cafes, like I've done I have been doing a lot, yeah, you yeah. know, it's not as if I'm sitting last but it's getting to that point that Obviously, with this diagnosis, once the meds are regulated, obviously me and me and my partner't want a we don't want to stay in post for our whole life. you know I, I would not mind the West End or the South side. Uh, we have this image of the life we want you know and, and that's amazing to have that amazing to think that that could be possible you know uh, where I'm going to go as far as like a, a vocation concerned I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, but service like what you're doing you know service needs to be there for me yeah definitely not. it really really does uh, I don't know what maybe. about your what about your running then or you you, just, you, how often do you run a week well I've took like three times a week yeah. now, I took a lot of time off after Edinburgh because I got scunnered to be yeah. a series second to Edinburgh marathon. Obviously, within a year I did three <coughs> marathons, an ultra marathon, a walk the West Highland that's Way. A lot, man. It's far <laughs> too much. Man. Yeah. It's far too much. So I've took some time off and I selected a race for next year. That's down in the Lake District. It's a seventy miler. Uh, I think I said it before. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna get sponsored for it. I want to raise money for charity. You know, I want to make the run worth it this time because I probably, I find I probably need to engage that part of my brain in the running this time because it feels it's always been about me breaking this breaking that like achieving this Uh, and I see charities you know Tiny Changes for example a series like definitely probably a mental health charity you know I think for me uh, considering what I've been through considering what you've been through considering what fucking 70% of Glasgow (laughs) have gone through with no diagnosis you know uh, I think it's something that really needs to be looked at. Definitely. Uh, but, yeah, I think just, like, that's the inspiration I have for running again. I'll never give it up. Like, I'm also, I'm working out now. I never have before. And I've just got le- these kind of running exercises, like, obviously, I do legs, upper and core. And, and that's been great because my body shape's changing. Yeah, definitely. But I just need to watch the kind of obsession with yeah, stuff yeah, coming yeah. in, you know. That's good, though, man. You know, it's,
0: it's great that you've got uh, that big goal going forward because like the process towards that will be will be awesome man yeah of course but fucking yeah. hard by the <laughs> yeah
1: it will be but these things like obviously it's in July next year so I've got plenty of time yeah uh, and it's just about
0: is that a flat run is it a no, no? Well, late it covers straight.
1: five peaks five mountain passes and it's like a hardcore shit so yeah certainly a challenge yeah. man it's a challenge that I can take, you know. Yeah. It's, it's no, it's no a challenge out with my ability, yeah. but it's going to take work, you know. Which I need. I yeah. need. You, know, you said it. Well, you
0: need it. it in your life. That's it. we were talking about it earlier, and uh, you know, that's what I was just saying, at the very start, it's been like six weeks, over six weeks since I've done my Man and I'm already feeling it's like six weeks already. That's mental, syndrome, mate, And you know, I'm f- feeling. I'm feeling it, you know, that I've not got that big thing. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, you know, I'm lucky that I get to work, you know, in a great place like this and I can have these facilities to train from every day. And, um, you know, that's obviously how I keep myself right on a daily yeah. basis. Just, like, training and helping people is, my, is what I do. Yeah. And that's what keeps me right, man. So just last thing, man, just what any, like, advice for anyone that could maybe be listening that is maybe struggling with their own problems maybe similar to what we were talking about earlier on the podcast
1: addiction mental yeah uh, don't run for your problems yep. you know I think uh, being honest with yourself finding a relationship with yourself but I think I mean the absolute bottom line is you need to share do not suffer alone yeah uh, the suicide rate right now man do you know what I mean yep. why is that because people are suffering alone. Every single person knows someone that's suffering from mental health right now. Yeah. Just put your hand out, man. Like, if you're listening to this and you don't have mental health issues, put your hand out to someone that you think does, and th- there's a good chance you might have it as well. Like, I think uh, I th- I think there's a fear in admitting it. There's of course, an embarrassment, man. you know. It, it, and please, there's probably a higher percentage that suffers for it than don't. And if you don't share, nobody knows. Yep. You know. Uh, but thank you, man. Like you you've inspired me. Thank you. You have seriously inspired me. And I don't mean just with Iron Man, I mean I mean with your whole journey. You know, I was still using when I remember seeing you for the first time and I couldn't believe it was the same guy, you <laughs> were posting. Uh, and there was envy there for me. It was massive envy. And now I, I, I can sit and I'm like I'm really proud of you, you know what I mean? And I've been proud to sit here today. But awesome
0: man thank you man thanks so much for um, coming in and finally got it done after a few months of yeah, trying man. to sort it but it's, awesome. it's been great man and um, I'm sure that a lot of people will be able to listen to this and take something away from it and, uh, and be, and be a, you know, a bit inspired whether it be on your running stuff or admitting talking about your problems you've had in the past and um, it's not an easy thing to do sometimes mate so I, think I appreciate the that The truth, the truth is what's matter. What
1: matters, yeah, yeah. you know. See if you see if you sit in a meeting and like the most fucked up person in the meeting that's just come off the streets and see if they actually tell the truth for the body of a whole. Nothing will inspire you, man yeah. you know it's a beautiful thing. Awesome.
0: So thank you, man. Cheers, dude. Cheers.